Good morning to everyone. How are you doing? Are you blessed and favored? You're blessed coming in and you're blessed going out. I'm telling you, before you leave today, you're probably already blessed, but you're going to be even more blessed. Amen. I just have to say, if you're here this morning, it must mean your football team isn't playing. I'm just saying. Football has officially started, everybody. I know. I think the Packers play this afternoon. So Pastor Paul slid. He's like, good. Your first game you get to catch today. But anyway, I'm so glad you're here, and I'm so blessed. And if you're new here, I'm the lead pastor of Faith uh, Faith Builders Church. I'm Barb Pruitt. And uh, I'm just so excited what God is doing. I was blessed this weekend to be a part of a women's conference here in Surprise, Arizona. Good friends of mine, the Beachus, they're a church for the nations of Surprise, Arizona. And it was a beautiful gathering of women. You know, when girls get together, they just know how to do it right. I mean, it's, they've got all the sparkles and the pink. And I'm really not into sparkles and pink, but I thought it was pretty cool. It was a lot of fun. And so I got to minister to the ladies yesterday morning, and we had a really wonderful wonderful time just blessing God's girls. But I have a message for you today. Are you ready? I'm starting a new series called Bold, and I'm really excited about this because I believe we're coming into a season, and I feel already many of you have probably already felt just God stirring you up. Just how many of you feel excited about things that are coming in the kingdom? It's like there's this activation going on. There's this anticipation that's happening on the inside of us, and maybe we really don't know what that is. So I kind of want to pinpoint some things in your life to maybe spark some boldness on the inside of you, you know, to put some courage on the inside of you and maybe do some things that you haven't done for the Lord before or maybe haven't done for a little while or maybe God will begin to speak some things to you that you need to get back to doing in our life, amen, because God really loves us when we're bold. And whatever we do for Jesus, he loves us when we're bold. But I really want to teach you how to be bold and not be crazy about it. How many know there's some crazy Christians out there that think they're being bold and they're really just offensive? You know, they really just cut the grain. You really just turn off a deaf ear to them because they're not really being bold for Jesus. They're being bold in the flesh. But I want to talk about how to be bold for Jesus and be who you are when you're bold for Jesus. That's the beautiful thing. You don't have to be anybody but yourself. God made you exactly the way that you are. So you don't have to be Barb Pruitt the way that I'm bold. Thank God. I was telling a girl yesterday, Thank God there's only one Barb Pruitt in the world that I know of anyway that's made like me. But you get to be yourself. Like I talk to Matthias a lot, and Matthias is Matthias. Everybody who knows him knows Matthias. But God uses him for who he is and in his world and in his sphere of influence and and doesn't change. And I want to encourage you to know that God wants to use you right where you're at. And uh, and so I'm going to just provoke that in you, amen? So the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about boldness in our life, and we're going to be going through the book of Acts. And I believe God is calling the church to really go back to the experiences of what was happening in the book of Acts. I mean, the power of God fell, the Holy Spirit came, and they saw so many miracles, signs, and wonders, and they just begin to change a region in the world because they were bold for Jesus. But I'm going to teach you how that happened on the inside of them. I mean, they saw demons coming out of people, and guess what? It didn't happen in the synagogue. 
It happened out on the street. It happened in the highways and the byways. They saw people's blinded eyes open. They saw the lame walk. Peter's shadow healed people. Can you imagine just going to work and you're just like checking in and just by you walking by, the power of God hits somebody in the desk next to you and they just start speaking in tongues in an unknown language. You're not going to have to tell people, well, this is the Holy Spirit and this is the language. No, when God comes, they're going to be saved. They're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit spirit and the power of God is going to show up. And you know how I know that's true is because when I was a youth pastor, the power of God hit our youth ministry in Beloit, Wisconsin, my dad's first church, my parents' first church. And these kids were coming in off the streets. They were drug dealers. You know, they were selling drugs for their parents so they could help pay the bills. And these kids were coming in and getting born again. I mean, touched by Jesus. And one day this young man walked up. He was real tall and I was on the platform and his eyes were bugging. He's walking towards the altar like this and I'm like what what's going on he goes I don't know it's so strange I came up here to give my life to Jesus and these weird words just come out of my mouth he was filled with the Holy Spirit on his way to get saved how many know that's what God's gonna do it's gonna be this supernatural thing that you cannot stop if you tried so I just say, let's get ready and position ourselves and know how to be bold for Jesus in this hour because I believe and I know God is bringing us back to those kind of things. Handkerchiefs were healing people. They'd pray over handkerchiefs and send them off into areas where they couldn't get to and people were meeting their faith by handkerchiefs and they were being healed. How beautiful is that? And I believe God wants to do that in this church, in this region, and in the world. But God has to activate our faith once again. He's got to activate our boldness once again so that we can get courageous to see the wonders that they saw in the book of Acts. They see these miracles in other countries all the time. I'm, we, I've traveled, many of you have traveled. We see miracles, signs and wonders happen in other countries. It's because they're not looking to anything else but to Jesus. They're not distracted by anything else. They have a boldness to worship God. They have a boldness to share their faith. They're unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right now, the world and the media, movies, Netflix, everything is such an assignment of Satanism and occultism. I mean, it's not even hit anymore. If you can't see it, you really are missing something. Because it's in our face. If you go into TJ Maxx, there is tarot cards lining, um, lining the shelves in the line to go out. You know what I do? I take those cute little boxes and I hide, I hide them. I do. I hide those books. It's got, it's got the occult um, Ouija boards on T-shirts now. Children's cartoons has Satanism now, uh, just bold and, and blatant about it. It's trying to make, the world's trying to make Satanism and the cult common. And God wants to make the church powerful. He wants to show his true power here on this earth so that this next generation doesn't see the supernatural as common, but they see it through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We want that bold, courageous faith to do something supernatural in this time. And maybe you're not going to be the one that's going to go out in the streets tomorrow and raise the dead. That's okay. But I'm going to teach you some ways that you can show boldness right where you're at. And you can step into some courage and begin to show Jesus even right where you're at. How many would love that in your life? Even me as a pastor, I pray for boldness all the time. It's not my first nature to walk up to people and, and oh, you know, Jesus loves you. That's not my first nature. I'm kind of like in the store, out of the store. 
I'm on a mission, I'm in and out. I've had to make myself aware of being attentive to, God, do you want me to love on this person? Do you want me to pay, you know, the groceries behind me? Whatever it is, God, I want to be aware of that, amen? So let's look at this. We're going to talk about what boldness is. is. Number one, boldness is behavior that's born out of belief. So what you believe about yourself is how you will behave in many ways. So if you don't feel good about yourself, if you don't feel worthy and you feel beat down, your behavior because of what you believe will exemplify that. So if you're feeling down here, you're never going to feel worthy. You'll let people take advantage of you. You'll let people bully you. You'll let people run you down. I will give you a, a title of a book that everyone needs to read if you don't know how to have boundaries. And that is Boundaries in Relationships by Dr. Ta Dr. Townshend, something like that. Any boundaries book you can get on him because you need to learn healthy boundaries in your life. You need to learn that only people can come this close to my heart. I'm going to love you from here, but you're not going to get this close. You have to learn to stand up for yourself. You have an anointing in your voice to say, you're not going to bully me anymore. You're not going to intimidate me anymore. Amen. There's some people, you know, I get kind of, you know, I live in a glass house because I'm a pastor. And people think that I should just be friends with everybody on Facebook, you know, and I should never unfriend anybody, God forbid. But you know what? I feel like for me as a pastor, no, I get healthy boundaries. If somebody's bullying me on Facebook and they're talking against me, I should be able to unfriend. Why? Because I have self-respect. You have to get to a place, you don't worry what anybody else thinks, amen? So how you believe about yourself, what do you believe about the kingdom and the word of God? You know, what do you believe about who God says you are? Because if you really know what the word of God says about you, you'll have a boldness and a courageous to step out because you're like, hey, God says he's with me wherever I go. He never leaves me or forsakes me. If I lay hands on the sick, they're going to recover. God said it. I'm going to do it. See, when you believe that, you'll do it. I've always said what you do in private, you'll be able to do in public. Amen? What you do. And so pray for your children. Practice on your kids. Practice on the plants in the house. If your kids don't, pray for something. Amen? You need to get your belief up here in faith. And this is what the word of God says. And God's promises never fail. And his word doesn't return void, but it accomplishes everything to which it was sent. And I am called by God. I am anointed by God. I do have an anointing in my life. When you begin to believe that, you'll begin to excel in your life. If you want to start a company in your life, how do you think about yourself? You probably have this great dream. You probably got a million-dollar idea on the inside of you. But if the idea is up here and you see yourself down here and they don't match, you'll never accomplish what's on the inside of you. You've got to believe great things are on the inside of you. Amen. You've got to believe that worshiping God, when I worship God in boldness, when I lift up my hands, and I'm going to do some teaching on worship. When you lift your hands, you're being bold to God. And you're saying, I know that my hands lifted is reaching the throne room of God. And God has my attention. And he's loving on me. I believe that. So I'm going to react that way. And my worship's going to be pure before God. Amen. When you believe that your generosity to the house of the Lord can push the kingdom of God forward. When you believe that when you give sacrificially above your tithes and your offering because you, I believe in the kingdom of God. I believe in winning people to Jesus. I believe that we should send Bibles wherever there's Bibles. I believe we should reach orphanages. When you believe that, your behavior will respond in boldness and give with generosity. 
you'll give with sacrificial giving, amen. God has called many of us to give with sacrificial giving. Why? Because that's what pushes the kingdom of God forward. You've been here long enough to faith builders. You know we're not here about living in multi-million dollar houses or driving fancy, fancy cars. I mean, like I said last week, if somebody wanted to buy me a Bible, I think five of y'all wanted to buy me a Bible. So if you want to buy me a new car, hey, there it is. Just saying. I will receive gifts. And God wants us to be blessed. But what I'm saying is God, right now at Faith Builders Church, we need to be pushing this, ch this church forward. I'm asking you today, and I know the answer, but do you believe in Faith Builders Church? Do you believe in the local church? Then when you believe it, then I need to react with boldness. That means I'm going to serve in this house. And if I don't serve yet, I'm going to be bold and I'm going to serve somewhere. I'm going to teach the children. I'm going to love on those babies back there. And when I hold them, I'm going to pour the love of God in them because maybe they're going back to a home that doesn't really have that atmosphere of God's love and you're going to cover them with love and sing to them and love on them what a great joy for that baby to have that experience I heard a teacher this week and one of the ladies said she was a part she lives in um, Yuma uh, Pastor Lucinda and she became part of uh, this this ministry that helps protect or rescue um, sex slave children and the lady said it's next to impossible to stop it she said, it's so fierce and so out of control, it is next to impossible to stop it. She said, what we as the church need to enter into is in prevention. Preventing, that means teaching our babies, our children today, who Jesus is. Getting the love of God in them. There are young women and men in this church, and I shouldn't even say young, whoever you are, that maybe can go back there into faith kids and say, I'm going to be bold, and I'm going to teach these children who Jesus is. I'm going to teach them the love of God. I'm going to play with them. I'm going to make sure that they are filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, when I was a children's director, nobody told me different. I just, when I was teaching the little kids, I said, they should be laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover. They should be speaking in other tongues. They should be bold for Jesus. And I begin to teach those kids how to move in the gifts of the Spirit. And I begin to teach them how to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. And I begin to teach them how to prophesy the word of the Lord. Why? Because we, when you have childlike faith, you will move mountains. We've got to get out of our adult theology that we're so, teach me more. I need to go deeper. No, you don't. You need to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And you have two hands hands and you can lay hands on anybody and impart the power of God. I'll show you that in scripture today. But we begin to teach these children that. Nobody told me I shouldn't. I just did because I did when I was young. They should too. And our ushers would come in. This is no joke. They'd come in to do a count, you know, for the head count. And these ushers would come in. I'd be like, you know what, kids? Let's get around so-and-so and let's pray for them. And these kids would get around them and they'd pray. They'd prophesy the word of the Lord. These ushers, these greeters begin to cry and be touched by God. These are little children because nobody told them they couldn't. Nobody told them they had to know theology. All they had to be told is to be bold for Jesus. One of our kids went home, and the, the dad did not attend church. It was the Gregory's. And he didn't attend church, and at the time anyway. And so he was home with a, a had a, a bad leg. His leg went bad on him, and his kids were in my class. You know, they went home, and they laid hands on their dad, and they said, Jesus wants to heal you, and they begin to pray for their dad. And do you know he got healed by God? Because of childlike faith, what do you believe about yourself? What do you believe about the kingdom? What do you believe about the local church? I love the local church. 
I love the local church. <coughs> Hang on, y'all. I had too much coffee today. What'd you say? Is it coffee breath? Oh, is that possible? Yeah, that's true. Got a little dry throat. But I love the local church. That's why I'm willing. I have done this for nothing for two years, not here, but in Beloit. I serve for free for nothing. Not saying you have to go to that extravagance, but I'm just saying be willing. What do you believe in? Your behavior will follow what you believe. Amen. And I believe our church is coming, not believe. I know we're in a place where we need to be in sacrificial servanthood, sacrificing our time. We got to push this church forward and we use what's in our hands, what we have right now. And it's you guys. Everything we need for this church is right here in this church. And it's in you, and there's a gift in you, there's an ability in you, there's a calling in you. There's some part that you can play to push the kingdom of God forward, amen. But we've got to get our belief back. We've got to get our excitement back for the local church, amen. We've got to be willing to dig a little deeper right now so that we can make room for the new people to come, and then we get to pass the baton to them, amen. But we've got to have some boldness in this hour. Boldness in inviting people to church, things like that. All right, so let's look at the Greek word of boldness. It's the word para, parousia, and it means this. It means to be outspoken, to have assurance, courage, confidence, and to act without fear. God wants you to have boldness in your life. Have some assurance of who you are and what God has spoken over your life. Amen. I know God is stirring things up in this house. There's no doubt in my mind. Listen, if, you're, if you can come to Wednesday nights, you need to be here. If you can't, listen, on, listen online later because we're really learning about the ecclesia and the house of God. And, and for too long, the church has been run by pulpit ministry. And that's not what the church is supposed to look like. You are the ministry of the church. We need to double our altar ministry in prayer. This shouldn't just be pastors and all elders. That's not my vision. You should be praying here. You should be meeting the needs of the people, amen. There's some things inside of you that God really wants you to step out in boldness because you are the church of Jesus Christ, amen. So we're going to look this morning at Peter. And I love Peter because Peter was so bad and he was so good. And I think that's so relatable to all of us. Like, yeah, we miss the mark a lot. You know, we're just flesh and blood, but God still chose Peter to do something great. And in this part of the story, as we know about Peter, he was very bold about his intentions, very bold, but he was timid in his actions. There was something inside of him that still felt very timid to be bold. And the example was he was standing with Jesus, and he was so bold with Jesus. He said, Jesus, if I have to die with you, I will never leave you. I will never deny you. Of course, we know Peter's story, right? And Jesus is standing like, yeah, okay, bro, let me tell you the end of the story. Really, by the end of this day, before the sun goes down, you're going to deny me three times. But what I love about that is Jesus already knew Peter's weakness. He already knew that his intentions was, I'm with you, Jesus. I will die for you. But there was something on the inside of them that at the moment of pressure, he had a hard time choosing to be bold. And that's every one of us in this room, isn't it? There's something inside of us that goes, oh, I'm gonna, I need to pray for that person. I don't know. What if they don't get healed, right? I, have, I want to do it, God, but what if it doesn't happen? What do I say? How do I start the process? There's things that inhibit stepping out. And listen, Peter had that too. So Jesus said, listen, by the day's end, you're going to deny me three times. And, of course, we know that he did. But something happened inside of Peter and changed his whole life. 
And when Jesus died and resurrected again, he met the disciples three times. But on this one occasion, when he met them out in the boat, remember he told them to throw the, throw the um, fishnet over and fish on the other side, and they did all that, and he made breakfast for them and fed them. But on this one occasion, he went to Peter only. I love this about Jesus. He knew that Peter was still carrying this. I can't imagine when Jesus showed up the first time what Peter did. Has anybody ever been around somebody that you know you wronged, like, and then they show up in the room, you're like, like, you kind of go off into the distance, you kind of sit sheep, sheepishly, no eye contact, I don't know, maybe Peter was not like that, but I imagine that's how I would be, and Jesus is like, you know what, I got to get to Peter's heart. Yes, he failed, yes, he didn't, he denied me, but I got to let him know, I love you, Peter, and I forgive you, and he went in, he, he made him look at him, he's like, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love. Peter, let me ask you again, do you love me? Yes, Lord. I mean, he, Peter's probably still looking down, you know. Yes, Lord, I love you. Peter, do you love me? He's like, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then feed my sheep. He was saying, I've forgiven you. It's okay. Don't let your past determine the boldness that I'm about to put inside of you. Peter didn't see that in a few, a few journeys, he was going to launch the greatest revival the world has ever seen. He didn't know that was on the inside of him. All he knew was his failure. And Jesus said, let's close that door. I've forgiven you. I love you. And you're going to be okay. Amen. And so then what happened? A, a switch flipped on the inside of Peter. The Holy Spirit came. We know in, in Acts chapter 1, the Holy Spirit came down here on earth, and it, it became as tongues of fire upon their heads. Can you imagine seeing that? If that was really a full manifestation of tongues and fires, the supernatural happening, I would love to see that. I don't know if an angel manifested himself in the back door. I might pass out for a second. You may have to revive me and pick me back up because there's something I want to see the supernatural, and also I'm kind of terrified of it. But but all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit came in, and Acts chapter 1 says, they were filled with power. Power. That word power means dunamis, right? They had a strength they didn't have before. They were filled with an ability that they didn't have before. They had power. They had influence. Listen, it wasn't just that. They had riches and wealth. When the Holy Spirit comes upon us, there is a dunamis that happens. And all of a sudden, you start living different. You start thinking different. You start acting different. All of a sudden, prosperity begins to come to your heart and your mind because you're believing what the Word of God says about you. Amen? The Spirit of God, moral power and excellence came upon them. I'm here to tell you today, you have Jesus and you have the Holy Spirit. You don't move in boldness by your own ability. You move in boldness because of the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of you. Amen? When you lay hands on that person, it's not Barb Pruitt laying hands on them. Thank God. When you're laying hands on them, it's not you. It's the Holy Spirit in you. How can I do that? Because I have dunamis power in me. I have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of me. Um, I, when I, I, there's many stories when people get filled with the Holy Spirit. Some of you are older, and so you have this amazing experience. I was very young. I think I was 10 years old, and uh, a, a choir came to our church, and a youth choir came to our church in Rockford, Illinois, and they did an altar call to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So I journeyed down. I was 10, and 
I'm like, yeah, I want the Holy Spirit. And this girl prayed with me, a beautiful girl prayed with me. I'll never forget her face. And I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And I spoke in tongues. And I found my parents. I went to where you used to always meet up at the end of these stairs at First Assembly. And my parents like, so, did you get the Holy Spirit? You know how parents are. I'm like, yeah. And they're like, let us hear. And I'm like, no way. There's no way I'm going to speak in tongues in front of my parents. I was too shy. But let me tell you what happened in me when I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And I didn't recognize this to many years later. When I was young, I used to pretend to be a school teacher. I had the chalkboard. I had the grading book. I had 10 students. No joke. They all had names. Some failed my class because they were naughty. Some passed it with straight A's. I mean, I had this imaginary classroom. I had a desk and everything. My parents indulged me. And so um, once I got filled with the Holy Spirit, though, the gift on the inside of me went from teaching. I, I no longer taught the classroom anymore. I began to preach in the mirror. I took my dad's journal, and I began to read that devotional. And you got many of you know my story. And I'd read all the scriptures, and I'd look in that mirror, and there was thousands of people. I mean, it was packed. And I was sharing Jesus, and I was sharing the word. And I was being bold in that mirror at 10 years old. And they all got saved, and I had revival, and tears were coming down my face. And what happened? The Holy Spirit took the gift in me and activated it for the purpose of the kingdom. Now, mine happened to be a preaching gift, but what is your gift? We have a work day coming Saturday. This property should be the best-looking property on Bell Road. It should be clean. It should be groomed. We should have flowers in the pot, which they don't right now. Why are we waiting on somebody else to take care of God's property when the church should be taking care of God's property? I'm too busy, Pastor Barb. I've got too much on my, uh, too much to take care of God's house. Too much to, for this house to look like a house of excellence that the world can come in and go, this church has something to offer, that it looks clean and it looks groomed, and there's people waiting to greet our babies, not one lady doing 15 jobs. No, we are the church, amen? And we need to find our place. What gift do you have? Many of you use your gift in this house, so we're so beyond blessed. I'm just trying to motivate, amen? Whether it's building a sound booth, which we've done, and building some stuff in the youth room, and maybe we want to paint the building. Our building needs repainting. Somebody say amen. It needs to be repainted. There's just things that we need to make our property look like we are a house of excellence. Amen. God's house should be so blessed, so blessed that we don't have to wring our hands what we're going to do next for Jesus. So what began to happen when they got filled with that duminous power, that timid Peter, that timid guy who, who wanted to be bold now was filled. He began, he stepped out and he preached the boldest message he's ever preached in his life. He said this, you corrupt generation. This is Peter who denied Jesus to a little girl, but when he knew the dunamis power of God was in him, he said, you are a corrupt generation. You need to turn from your sins. You need to repent and be baptized. That's a message they've never heard before. But guess what? 3,000 people came to Jesus. Revival began to happen when one man stepped out in boldness and courage, and that was Peter's anointing, but the New Testament church was birthed, and it began to explode everywhere, and that's what the church of Jesus needs to look like, amen? We need to be so bold for Jesus. Peter and John were walking, and, and they saw the laymen on the road, and we know the story. They put the man by the gate, and he begged for 40 years, and this time when Peter was walking by, and I imagine, okay, the guy's been there 40 years. 
Peter and John's probably walked by this gate many times, saw the beggar, maybe gave him money once, maybe annoyed by him. But this time, he's empowered with the Holy Spirit, right? It switched on the inside of him, and he, and he looked at the beggar. He said, hey, hey, look at me. He said, silver and gold I don't have, but get up in the name of Jesus Christ and walk. He had a boldness on the inside of him. No longer was I'm going to ignore this person. No, you get up and walk. That boldness in, in him. And that man got up and he walked for the first time in 40 years. Amen. And what happened? The, the um, Sanhedrin didn't like that. Because they thought they killed the, the competition in the, in the region. They, they killed Jesus. And they were done with him. And they didn't want to think about him anymore. And all of a sudden, there's these miracles happening after Jesus is already gone. How many know you can't stop the church of Jesus Christ? You cannot stop it. And let's look at Acts 4, verses 8 through 10. Then Peter, being filled with the Holy Spirit. See, he wasn't walking in his own mind, his own mind, his own belief system. He was walking in the Holy Spirit. He said, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? What they did is they brought them in around the Sanhedrin. They made a circle, and they put the two that were accused in the middle, and they were barraging them. Barraging, I think that's the word. And so, are you accusing us? Do you want to know how he was healed? Verse 10, let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel, right? Here's the Holy Spirit coming out of him again, that he was healed by the power, powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. He's saying he was healed by Jesus. He didn't sheep back. He didn't try to save his life. They could have stoned him. He didn't know what they were going to do. He said, the Nazarene, the man you crucified. He said, has been, God has raised from the dead. That wasn't Peter being, you know, like, oh, you killed him. No, no, no. The Holy Spirit was speaking through them. See, when you stand in the Holy Spirit, God is with you. The anointing is with you. The authority is there. You're on the winning side when you're speaking in the authority of the Holy Spirit. Now, when you're talking offensive, you might get beat up if you say some things. But if you're talking by the Holy Spirit, the power of God, he says, and God raised him from the dead. The Sadducees hated Jesus. They thought he was gone forever. They thought they had political control because you do know it was about political control. Jesus was getting too powerful. Jesus was getting too big of a gathering. Political problems were way back in Jesus' day too, people. That's why I said the world we're living in is not a political issue. It's a kingdom issue. The devil wants to shut down the church of Jesus Christ. He wants to beat down the believers, amen? And so Jesus dealt with it, but I'm going to tell you something. We sang it today, our last song, Jesus, Jesus. There's something about the name of Jesus Christ. 2,000 years ago, they were intimidated by Jesus, and today people are still intimidated by the name of Jesus. You can say a lot of spiritual things. You can say, you know, there's a higher power. You can even say God did this and God did that. You can say the spirit did some things, right? You can talk about, I, I have spirituality. I'm a spiritual person. And all those would fit, fit into the kingdom. But when you say Jesus, the devil hates it. When you say Jesus, there's power. When you say he died for you, the devil will cringe in fear and terror. There's something about that name, Jesus. And we know that Jesus is alive and is seated next to the right hand of God the Father. And when you move, you move with Jesus. When you move, I move. There's a song like that. I can't think. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? 
There you go. Is it a secular song? Oh, wow. Hallelujah. All right. So what did he say? He said, you killed him, but God raised him from the dead. And what did they say? They could have every opportunity to kill them. They, they hated Jesus and the followers. But let's look at first thing. What happened in their supernatural boldness? The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. What is that word amazed there? It means they were at wonder. But look at this. It also means to be in admiration. Do you know that when you're bold to the world, they may not understand it. They'll be in wonder, but they will admire you for standing up for your faith. They will admire you for your healthy boundaries. They'll admire you when you stand up for your faith and the word of God. And yet we're allowing the world and the bully of the world to intimidate us from standing up in our faith when really the world is looking for us to stand up for our faith so that they can be, ad admire us. He said they admired their boldness of Peter and John. What does that mean? That boldness means their cheerful courage. See, they weren't being condemning like you're going to hell. Right? You're going to burn in the fiery furnace if you don't give your life to Jesus. That's not boldness. People don't understand that. But when you stand, Jesus loves you. Can I pray for you? I, somebody says, man, I'm sick. Let me lay hands and pray for you. That's cheerful courage. Amen. God has to show up. I'm not the one to perform the miracle, but I'm going to be confident. I'm going to have the freedom. That's what that word bold is. I'm free to declare who Jesus is. We need some of that boldness in our life, don't we? For they could see that they were just ordinary men with, with no special training in the scriptures. Right there, I just removed every person's excuse why we can't pray for people. Why you can't share your faith. Why you can't bring groceries to someone's house and love on them. They had no special training, which means they were not eloquent with how they spoke. They were just bold in their demonstration. That's all God's looking for. That's all he's looking for. Just to be bold. Just to do those things that you wouldn't normally do and trust. Listen, if God speaks that, God says, pray for that person. That's not the devil. I heard a testimony from Matthias, this older lady he brought home from this place that needed a ride, and there was a divine appointment. God wouldn't say give that person a ride home. God, the devil wouldn't. The devil don't talk like that. Amen? If God's speaking that to you, he'll be with you. And something will happen in you when you do that first step and you pray for that person. And, and you listen, this is what the Bible says. You may water. You may be watering that seed in their life or planting it. Maybe be the first seed they've ever got. And you may be the one watering it that comes later along, to, later to water. You may be the one who sees the fruit. You may lead them to Jesus. But just by sharing Jesus and if they don't confess their faith yet doesn't mean it wasn't valuable. You may have planted or watered. You don't know the purpose to why God's called you to do what he's asking you to do. But God knows, amen. He's just looking for your boldness. So they had no special training. They also recognized that they were men who had been with Jesus. My point number one, God gives ordinary people extraordinary boldness, just like you. My dad always said this for years. He said the moment he became a pastor, he loved pastoring. So when I say this, don't get it wrong. But he missed the days of lay ministry. He missed the days where he opened up his house and had a Bible study. And, and people that were coming in, prostitutes came through his Bible study 
healed, saved, delivered, living pure lives. Homosexuals came in, bound. Nobody told them the truth. Nobody told them that they could be set free. Nobody told them that their identity could be in Christ. But one couple meeting in their basement said, Jesus loves you, and Jesus wants to set you free. These people would get mad and say, why didn't anybody tell us? They had one couple sit across from the desk. The church is afraid to talk about this. But freedom is freedom, people. It doesn't matter what area it is. But this male couple was sitting there, and they, my parents began, they were hurting and broken because they knew life didn't line up, but they didn't know why, and they loved God. And my parents were bold enough to say, well, this is what Scripture says. And one of them knew the truth, and one of them didn't. And the one who didn't said, why would you never tell me that? Why would you never tell me that God had a different design in a different way? Why wouldn't you tell me God could set me free, yet we're so afraid to tell the truth? Now, if you, oh, that's wrong, and you're a sinner. No, that's not boldness. Boldness is sitting down in love and having the conversation and saying, I'm here for you. I'll walk you through. If your heart is open and ready, I'm here for you. You don't go try to shove Jesus down people's throat, but you're there and available when the Holy Spirit says, speak, you speak. And God will be with you just like Moses. He'll fill your mouth with the words, that things that you need to say. But God wants to take people that seem overlooked, and he wants to use them for his glory and give them a boldness. Amen. I want to share this quick testimony. I do have some time. There was this uh, Christian man. How many ever watched Chopped? Like I have, um, I have uh, the cooking channel on 24-7 in my house. My dog is like the best chef ever because that's all he watches. Just kidding. But um, I love it. I love Chopped and all that. So um, this guy, he was a Christian, loved God. I went to a church in Texas, and he was, he's also a chef. And so he was on the show. And I, I give Chef Natar. Nidahara, Nidahara. Anyway, um, the whole time he was on the episode, he, behind the scenes, was sharing Jesus with one of these ladies that he was in competition with. And she was broken, and she was hurting. And they would show some clips of him talking to her. Of course, they're not going to put God on to display. But he was sharing, sharing Jesus with her. And at the end of the episode, the reason why she wanted to win the money, she needed $10,000 to go visit her grandma, who was dying, and she had to go to another country. And she didn't have the 10000 She wanted to get there before she passed. Well, this man who was a Christian, he went all the way through the two of them, and they were the last ones competing. And, and you can watch the clip. I wanted to show it, but I didn't get a good version of it. Somebody had just videotaped the clip. But um, he won. She lost. And she was just, she was happy for him, but she was just devastated. And they went to say goodbye to her, and he said, the, the guy, the Christian said, no, wait, wait a minute. He said, I didn't think I was going to win anyway, so I, I don't have plans for the money. He said, I'm going to buy your ticket to go see your grandma. Now, listen, the judges were like, literally, they're looking, and they're looking at him. I mean, everybody was flabbergasted. Well, they knew behind the scenes he was a Christian. He was giving glory to God. He was lifting his hands and praising God. And he said, I'm going to be bold, and I'm going to give this woman my, God told me I'm going to give her that. That's hard to give away. You try giving away $10,000. I'm pretty sure he had that money spent the whole time he was competing. And I will tell you, every chef, the hostess, the cameraman were crying, crying because a chef in the way that he could be bold for Jesus was bold. Yeah. And he touched lives, and he got to pray with people afterwards. That's why I'm saying get your mind out of this mentality of pulpit ministry. God will use you right where you're at. And whatever he says to do, amen, I can't go into your workplace. There's some places on the street I can't go, but you can go, and you can be bold for Jesus. And that's when the church becomes the church.
Amen? When you're seeing God move in a supernatural way out there, and all of a sudden you're going to be so excited. Number two, my point this morning is your boldness will amaze the world. It, it amazed them. Your boldness will amaze your family members. It, it'll amaze your coworkers. Like, how can they be so bold for Jesus? I, my, I have a, a friend who is a, is a, she's had the gift of giving to the body of Christ. There are some people who produce wealth and their gift is to give. And her tax person said, you need to stop giving so much to the church. It's all her money. You need to stop giving so much. You're going to get tagged. IRS is going to tag you. And she said, just for saying that, I'm going to give more. Because you're not going to stop the gift that God's called me to give. I don't live as the world lives. I live how God wants me to live. And sure enough, the IRS tracked her down. But guess what? She had all her stuff in a row. And she was bit of bang, bit of boom. And she got all, I mean, it was just smooth sailing because she was honoring God. Wherever you're at, you can have a boldness to do. And it will, it amazed this IRS agent. I can't believe that you would do that for the kingdom. But she knew to take care of God's house, God would take care of hers. She had that gift. You may not have the gift. I don't have that supernatural gift, but some do. You may have the gift to teach or to pray or whatever. Love the children. Write children's curriculum. Reach teen missions. There's something inside of you that you can do for the kingdom. Amen. I don't have time to go into more examples, but thank you, Jesus. Number three, and this is the point I want to close with today, and we'll talk more about this in the next few weeks. Spiritual boldness comes from knowing Christ, and this is where we've got to get to and I hope this sets you free. Your goal is not to be bold. That's not the goal. Because if you're just bold, you, you might just get in your flesh. You, you might just step in and do things wrong. The goal is to know Jesus. The more that you know Jesus, when Jesus is your goal and you have this relationship with him, a relationship with the word of God, a relationship with praying at home, when that is the goal, the, the boldness will come automatically. Amen. But if you're skipping the part of knowing him, why, why would God call on you, first of all? And if he did, you might not have nothing in you to pour out of you. Amen? So this is why this is the time, church. Start letting God pour things inside of you. I was raised in a Christian home, and I saw good examples in front of me, but I did not have mentors to teach me. I, you know what my mentor was? Because I didn't make a lot of money back in the day. Barnes and Nobles. I sat in the Christian book section, and I read the books with a cup of coffee because I couldn't afford to buy it. I, got, I, I bought teaching tapes if I could. I taught myself. I poured into my belief system that said, I'm called by God. I'm a anointed by God. I'm chosen to lead the church. I have to make sure I continue to believe what God has called in me so that I can react in the kingdom the way God wants me to react. To this day, I take Bible classes online. You don't know that, but I have to keep feeding my belief system. I have to keep what? That's important to me. What's inside of you? You have to get your time with God. Relationship. Come to the midweek service if you can come to the midweek service. Do what you need to do to get that knowledge of God. Knowledge of God doesn't come just because you get saved. <laughs> I did not get where I'm at in knowing God and his word because I'm called. No, I put the work in and I'm still putting the work in and I'm still going to conferences. I'm still seeking. I, matter of fact, I'm going to a church in Kentucky. I haven't had a chance to tell my board. My friend um, Marcus Meekham pastors a phenomenal church in Seven Hills. And I had a, a meeting with him on the phone this week. He is flying me out, his church, to spend a week with his board and his team and to pour into me and to give us strategy. Why? Because I believe in this. I believe in this church. I believe in the calling of this house. And I believe what's on my life. I'm going to 
continue to feed that, amen? So you got to do what you got to do. So let me give you this quick example this morning. Is this, I mean, is it, I, I made this myself. What do you guys think? You already know I have doctor's handwriting, so I was pretty impressed. I was impressed. You should be more impressed by that. I should have got a bigger applause, but it's okay. It's not too late. Oh. Just kidding. Okay, this is how you do it. It starts with time. Time with God. You got to invest time, time in prayer. Giving of your time to come to the midweek service if you can do it. Giving of your time to come to Rooted, the discipleship class, which we, we are postponing the date a little bit. You know, time. You've got to be willing to say, I will do what it takes to invest into myself. When you give your time, what happens automatically? It turns into faith. Faith. You give your time, now your faith is beginning to get activated. You're in the word of God and you're like, yeah, I kind of feel something stirring. You're worshiping God in your kitchen while you're cooking. Yeah, the Holy Spirit. There's faith. Why? Because I'm giving time to it. If I'm only giving time to Netflix and TikTok and politics, offenses, you name it. I could have 50,000, right? Too much time in our brain is right here. Too much distraction. And the devil's made sure of that. But when you give time, it activates your faith. Amen. Faith without works is dead. So it's not enough to have a faith. You got to keep going. What happens after you have faith? You become bold. All of a sudden, you say, I can't. God has you in line at the grocery store. Pray for that person. Oh, I don't know. You've already been time with God. You've already been in the word. You've already been in worship. You're like, it's activated. I got faith, God, now I can be bold. I can be, I may wait to the parking lot. I may wait to every, nobody's looking, that's okay. But it gives you the courage to be bold, amen. And when you're bold, you see results. You don't get to see the fruit unless you do this. Amen. When we get to this place, we will see the Acts 1 church. We will see miracles. You will. You will see financial breakthrough. You will see joy come to your heart. You will see favor in your life. You will see people healed. You will see promotion. This is where it happens. And we're like, but God, give me a miracle while I worship you today in church and I haven't thought about you all week. You're my sugar daddy, genie in the bottle. God doesn't work that way. Do you know what I'm saying? Like he does sometimes. Sometimes he just kisses you with favor, and that's awesome. But a reality is this. This is the journey of where we need to go. Now look at this backwards. If I don't do this, I never get the results. I'll never get where God Listen, you'll be like Peter. You'll never get where Peter wanted to go. He said, I'll die with you. He wanted that, but he couldn't get there until all of this took place in his life. All right, I'm going to close with the praise team. Come on up. Let's get you guys enjoying your day and get your afternoon game going on because I know it's coming. But stay spiritual for a few more minutes. Let's close with this scripture verse, um, Acts 4.20. I love this. It says, 
We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. What did they try to do? They said, hey, we're going to let you go. It was a bona fide miracle. They couldn't deny that there was a miracle. But they said, stop talking about Jesus and stop praying. And you know what they said? You're not going to stop us. I don't know which is worse, to not obey you or not obey God. And they chose to obey God. Amen. And when that happens, you cannot stop what God is doing. Proverbs 28.1 says this, the wicked man flees though no one pursues him, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Let's receive that boldness today. Amen. Father, I thank you today for this awesome church. I thank you for what you're doing in our house, in this city, and in every home, Lord God. I pray, Jesus, that you just touch everyone right where they're at right now. Let a hope. I just pray, God, that you ignite them and stir them up in Jesus' name. And I want to give everyone the opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Maybe you're away from God. Maybe you just need to make some reconnections. And maybe you've never accepted Jesus before. And that's okay. That's why you're here, to make Jesus the Lord of your life. I want everyone to just repeat this after me all together. Say, dear Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me of all of my sin. Come in, be my Lord, and be my Savior, and give me boldness to do all that you called me to do. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Give the Lord a great big shout. Love you all so much. God is so good. Come Wednesday night or we'll see you next Sunday, all right? Love you and let's welcome Pastor Paul.